Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, and Clayton is our comma guy today. Clayton, before we get started, I have a question for you and Eric. It's about Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Oh. And... <laughs> Do you like Christmas shopping? And like, how do you do it? How do you, how do you guys go about doing your Christmas shopping? I, I hate Christmas shopping. I, I don't, well, so I don't really do it. So I don't go out to stores. Um, you know, don't, I'm just a 21st century kid. So I like you, you cyber shop, shop. you shop online. Uh, but even that I don't really like all that much. And so, I mean, Michelle ends up doing most of the, the Christmas shopping. Although for our kids, we end up, like through through the second half of the year, kind of finding things and like setting them aside to like provide for them on their you know on their birthdays and on Christmas and whatever. So it's kind of an all all year round for the kids, and then we just bring it out when it's time. How do you shop for your wife? Uh, we don't do gifts. Wow. Yeah, we don't do gifts for birthdays or for holidays. Or I anything. guess we should have known that before we decided that this would be our conversation <laughs> segment for this episode. I'm, I'm so We're talking about <laughs> Christmas I'm shopping, so and Clayton's family doesn't I hate exchange Christmas gifts. Shopping. We, get them, we get them for our kids, but not for each other. Because yeah. we're like, you're going to just see it on on Amazon. So, <laughs> like, how can I how can I surprise you? Yeah, Eric, how about you? I'm both. I like sitting on my couch and scrolling websites and finding fun things. So one of the things my family does is we, because we live all over the country, is if you want to, you put your name on the stocking stuffer list, which is a gifts, I think like 15 bucks or below or 10 bucks or below. So they're silly little gifts. But if you're on the stocking stuffer list, you have to buy a stocking stuffer gift for everybody else on the list. So I'm the youngest of five kids. There's 14 nieces and nephews amongst us, plus my parents. So there's a lot of people that can be on this list. So that to me is my favorite part of shopping is figuring out what is like the most ridiculous gift that I could find to send to like 20, 25 people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, The problem in our family is there are, there are 60 plus people like just in the immediate like Keenan family. And so a long time ago, well, a long time ago, we stopped getting gifts for everybody. But even before that, it was like, you will get gifts for one person. You will grab someone's name out of a hat, and that's who you're getting a gift for this year. That's that's how we did it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, for me, I so here's the interesting thing. I have always been like last-minute shopper, mostly because I'm here a lot during Christmas season. By the time I get home, it, it, I don't really feel like going and shopping. And before COVID, I was definitely someone who I just didn't like online shopping. I hated it. I wanted to go into a store. I wanted to like pick it up and wrap it and like just make it feel very special. Uh, now, um, now that, you know, all this stuff happened, everybody got used to shopping online. That's really all that I do now. So I'm going to see, I'm going to see if this year is different and if I'm still going to be waiting last minute to, to do my Christmas shopping or if I'm going to sit down and do it ahead of time online. Uh, so we'll see. I don't like to see anything about Christmas prior to Thanksgiving. But once we get through Thanksgiving, I love everything about all the decorations, going to the store. Like, I I just love all of that. I, I was in Christmas back in, like, February of 2021 because we start planning <laughs> plan this for Christmas over the summer and spring. So, yeah, it's, 
Christmas is a is a long it's season for me. Yeah, and, and if I might do a public service announcement for all of you that decorate your houses for Christmas prior to Thanksgiving, you need to knock that stuff off. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We we all want to experience the holidays in succession throughout the calendar year. When you leapfrog over Thanksgiving, you are doing a disservice to all of us. Oh, <laughs> right, do you think we just fell down in the rankings? No, on the, not on at the, all. The, the podcast all. listing. Ka- Caitlin is shaking her head. Yes, Caitlin. Caitlin, are you an early Christmas? Christmas decorator? Uh, yeah, the tree would be up all year. If I Caitlin it. just said she would have her tree up all year. Wow. Is, is it your husband that doesn't allow that? Uh, it needs sanity. Um, you know, I, I, I put boundaries for myself. Oh, that's good. It's self-discipline. She takes it down she, just out of a matter of self-discipline. All right. All right. What are we talking about, All right. About, so our passage today is in Judges 17 and 18. And we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to skip a few verses here, but let me give you some context. Um, as we have been reading, the typical cycle here in the book of Judges is uh, the people sin, they go after other gods, uh, God uh, sends in some surrounding nation, you know, the Midianites, the Philistines, somebody, to come and take over. And when the people cry out, God raises up a judge, a military leader to unite the, the kingdom and fight them off. And so we have seen this cycle again and again and again and again. This is the, you know, drive it home point of judges that uh, Israel is in a bad pattern here, okay? Um, in this part of the book, there's kind of a turning point because that we have come to with the Samson story, the last rendition of that cycle we're going to get, but there's still several chapters more. We've got, you, you know, a little ways of reading here in Judges. And what we see here is instead of it being external problems, these, you know, nations that come and attack, we're going to look at all the internal dysfunction in the society. We've already had some of that, but we're going to get a lot more of it in the coming chapters. So this is the first chapter that is about that. So, um, Let's uh, let's pick it up in uh, Judges seventeen one, and then uh, we're gonna uh, Eric's gonna read uh, through just the beginning of eighteen. I'll summarize a little bit, and then he'll finish eighteen. All right, let's do it. Now, a man named Micah from the hill country of Ephraim said to his mother, "The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from you, and about which I heard you utter a curse, I have that silver with me. I took it." Then his mother said, "The Lord bless you, my son." When he returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, she said, I solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord for my son to make an image overlaid with silver. I will give it back to you. So after he returned the silver to his mother, she took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to a silversmith who used them to make the idol. And it was put in Micah's house. Now this man Micah had a shrine and he made an ephod and some household gods and installed one of his sons as his priest. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. A young Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who had been living with the clan of Judah, left that town in search of some other place to stay. On his way, he came to Micah's house in the hill country of Ephraim. Micah asked him, Where are you from? I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, he said, and I'm looking for a place to stay. Then Micah said to him, Live with me and be my father and priest. And I'll give you 10 shekels of silver a year, your clothes and your food. So the Levite agreed to live live with him, and the young man became like one of his sons to him. Then Micah installed the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in his house. And Micah said, Now I know the Lord will be good to me, since this Levite has become my priest. In those days, Israel had no king. 
All right, so here's the part I want to summarize, okay? The next kind of 16 verses or so is kind of a second story that's going to intersect with the story that we just heard. Um, it's this, a group of people called the Danites. They are a tribe in Israel, and they have yet to kind of claim their territory in Israel. And so they're looking for some good land. Now, apparently they don't like the land that had been assigned to them. So they say, let's go find where there's some, you know, you know, nice country out here and where there's not a lot of people we can easily kind of move in and take over. And so they're, they're traveling around looking for that. And they come across this uh, Micah and his Levite and, you know, the, this weird little shrine thing they've got going on. They stop in and they say, you know, God, are we going to are we going to be OK with this? And the, the Levite says, you're going to be great. So they go out and they go and they find some great land and they're, you know, they're, they're taking it over. And then they, they're like, you know what? It was really nice to have that Levite, you know, tell us that God was on our side. And so uh, why don't we go back and get him? And they, they show up again at Micah's house and they essentially uh, start uh, ransacking the place. And the, the Levite is there uh, and he is confronted by this mob of people. The, the Levite and Micah uh, run into this mob of people. So we're going to pick it up in verse 17. The five men who had spied out the land went inside and took the idol, the ephod, and the household gods, while the priest and the 600 armed men stood at the entrance of the gate. When the five men went into Micah's house and took the idol, the ephod, and the household gods, the priest said to them, What are you doing? They answered him, Be quiet, don't say a word, come with us, and be our father and priest. Isn't it better that you serve a tribe and clan in Israel as priest rather than just one man's household? The priest was very pleased. He took the ephod, the household gods, and the idol, and went along with the people. Putting their little children, their livestock, and their possessions in front of them, they turned away and left. When they had gone some distance from Micah's house, the men who lived near Micah were called together and overtook the Danites. As they shouted after them, the Danites turned and said to Micah, What's the matter with you that you called out your men to fight? He replied, You took the gods I made and my priest and went away. What else do I have? How can you ask what's the matter with you? The Danites answered, Don't argue with us, or some of the men may get angry and attack you, and you and your family will lose your lives. So the Danites went their way, and Micah, seeing that they were too strong for him, turned around and went back home. Then they took what Micah had made and his priests and went on to Laish, against a people at peace and secure. They attacked them with the sword and burned down their city. There was no one to rescue them because they lived a long way from Sidon and had no relationship with anyone else. The city was in a valley near Beth Rehob. The Danites rebuilt the city and settled there. They named it Dan after their ancestor Dan, who was born to Israel, though the city used to be called Laish. There, the Danites set up for themselves the idol, and Jonathan, son of Gershom, the son of Moses, and his sons were priests for the tribe of Dan until the time of the captivity of the land. They continued to use the idol Micah had made all the time the house of God was in Shiloh. All right, guys, let's try to sort this one out. This is a bizarre set of stories here. And uh, so let's let's start with some observation and try and see if we can figure out what this is, what this really means. <laughs> the first thing that sticks out to me is that Micah builds an idol, installs it in his house, has household gods, which is similar to everything else that was going on in that area. And it is the very thing that God warned them about again and again and again and again. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that he's, he's created this thing for him and then he tries to, he, 
At first, he puts his son as priest. Like, you, not anybody can just be a priest, right? And then all of a sudden, a Levite comes along, like an actual priest, right? He's probably heard about this, like, oh, that's a Levite. They're, they're God's priest. Let me put this Levite in place of my son, and he can be the, per, the person over my shrine. And it'll actually be like this legitimate thing. Like, I'm going to make this more legitimate by, by bringing a Levite into my thing. Like, it's, it's just, it's weird. Yeah, well, he's, I don't think he's setting up his son to be a priest the way that, right, God had taught the Israelites to be priests over the sacrifices in the tabernacle and eventually the temple, right? This is this is a guy that's setting up like his own little temple in his house, right? So you just pick whoever you want yeah. to, to be the priest. Yeah, it's not, it, it, it might not be for, it's not like for the country, but it's like, you know, our little community might come and, you know, offer some things here at this thing. It's, it's, it is a bizarre thing where he's like, you know, appointing whoever he wants. Like there's an emphasis on this is my, yeah. my, 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 like, it, I don't know, but like, I think you're doing it wrong if you're like, um, I'm in charge of the God and all the things that he he has, you know what I mean? Like it's supposed to kind of be in the reverse, like I'm his rather than, than this is mine. Um, I, what I observed is that it seems like at every turn, no one is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like even in the opening lines, which are so bizarre, it, it like starts in the middle of the action where a man shows up and is like, you know, hey mom, uh, you know those that, that eleven hundred shekels that someone stole? It was me. Like, which is a strange place for the story to begin of like someone confessing that he stole something, which is maybe a good thing, but obviously he stole it to begin with. Then the mom's like making idol, and then he's setting up his own little shrine here. And there's a there's a Levite who's wandering from where he's from. He's not in Judah, where he says he's from. He's some other part of the country. He's not at the temple. He's not doing this thing. Like everybody. The people of Dan are wandering around in places that they don't belong. And like, no one's doing what they're supposed to do. It's weird. You know what's interesting? Verse 13, it says, And Micah said, Now I know the Lord will be good to me since this Levite has become my priest. Um, I thought about you, Eric, when you told that story about how some people in your family were like, oh, now I got a pastor in the family. I'm good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, now oh, I, got a, I got a Levite priest. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Right, you, he would just uh, assume that because a Levite just kind of wanders to his house, that it must be somehow a, sig- a signifier of God's blessing. And what in the world is the Levite priest doing, agreeing to be yeah. the personal priest yeah. at a house that has set up a shrine with a false god, household gods? And you're right, like nobody, nobody is doing mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be doing. Which is, it says it like two or three times in this text that we read. Right, it says. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. So everyone's just kind of making up their own thing. Everyone has their own moral compass. Everyone's got their own gods. They're just kind of... And what's interesting is if you go if you go backwards from that statement to verse... What verse is that? It's at the very beginning here. Verse 2, where his mother says to him, the Lord bless you, my son. Here, <laughs> yeah. take the silver yeah. and go, <laughs> make, an go make an idol. How do you think making a false god is somehow going to also go along with the Lord bless you. None of it makes any sense. Yeah, that, that statement in verse six is, uh, is one you're going to see increasingly uh, in, the, in the last part of this book. Uh, in those days, he had, the, Israel had no king, so there's that part, which comes up a couple times. I think uh, at the beginning of 18, it comes up. And then everyone did as they saw fit. Um, some older translations, some other translations you may have come across, they say everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I, I, like I just, that, that image is so like, I like the way that's said, you know, like it's, this looked good to me, you know, it's almost, 
um, it makes me think of the Garden of Eden, right? Like one of the things when Eve's looking at the fruit, it's like, it looked good. It like, it was appealing to your eyes. It looked like, it seemed like this is such a great idea. And it's clear, like as you're reading Judges, this path of doing whatever you thought was a good idea is not working out for people. The very last verse in chapter 18, they continue to use, they continue to use the idol Micah had made. All the time, the house of God was in Shiloh. So they're all worshiping this false god that Micah had made out of the silver. And all the while, the actual legitimate house of God, the presence of God, God himself is in Shiloh. It, I, I don't know why this, this story comes to my mind, but the story of the prodigal son, where he's, he's you know, in, the, in the field with the pigs, eating what the pigs are eating. And you could say like, so the prodigal son is doing whatever he wanted to do. And all the while, his father is back at home, waiting for him to come home. And, and remember when the son comes to his senses and he's like, what am I doing? <laughs> I could be back in my father's house. I could be enjoying all of the blessings of being in my father's house, but I'm out here doing my own thing. I have no idea why that story popped in my head when I read that verse, but yeah, it, it's, I think it's the phrase, and all the while, like all the time. They could have been over there. They, they could have been over there. Yeah, there's there's a interesting little kind of hint that's in there. Um, the the all the time the house of God was in Shiloh. The 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 time when it moved from Shiloh was when King David showed up, and they actually built you know got ready to build the temple and they they moved it to Jerusalem, which which goes along with the there was no king, there was no king. It keeps saying there's no king. So one of the things that the Book of Judges is trying to set up is like something needs to change. They need new leaders here. They need something uh, that that's better. They need a king, uh, and it's it's pointing at that. What else did you guys see? So two things that I saw that kind of go along with this this theme of like not doing what what's right is so the Danites come and they they hear the voice of the Levite. This is in verse three, chapter eighteen, verse three, and they say, "Well, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? Why are you here?" And he's like, "Oh, well, he hired me, and now I'm his priest." And then you jump to like ver, what is it, verse eighteen, and you know Micah shows up and the priests are. Or they, they show up at the at the Micah's house and the priest is like, what are you doing? And they're like, shh, come on with us. And, priest, and the priest is like, oh, the priest was very pleased. And he went, like, he went with them. It's like, there's some, there's like these hints of questions of like, why are you here? What are you doing? Oh, but okay, let's just go along with it anyway. Well, it's almost like he was getting a promotion because yeah. they're, they're like, right. well, you're just serving this little, you know, this household and maybe the people around, like, wouldn't you rather come with us? Like, we're a big tribe and yes. whatever, you know, like, it's almost like. All right. Well, we're moving up the career ladder here. Yeah, I mean, he ends up at Micah's house because he's probably looking for something better. And may, maybe when he's offered to be the household priest, he's thinking, "Well, this might be a good gig, right?" And then these guys come out. Oh, I can be the priest for a whole tribe. That's a pretty good gig. It seems. It seems just very. It, it seems to be going along with the. Everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. Did what they saw fit. Maybe this guy's just opportunistic and just kind of looking for the next good gig. Another thing I, I see is in verse 24, when Micah is complaining that they're, they're taking this stuff, he's like, you, you, took, you took the gods that I made, which first of all, that should tip you off. Like, you, hey, you made them. How, how, how significant are these gods? Uh, and my priest and went away. What else do I have? Like there, there is a point where like you, you come to the place of saying, I have invested everything in this like sh- scheme I've come up with, this like you know, uh, thing I've built my life on, or I've, you know, made for myself. And if it falls apart, if it goes away, um, you're like, what else do I have? Like it has become 
uh, your, your, your everything there. All right, let's move on to the M in comma, which is message. What's a message that you guys get out of this? All right, so my message comes from um, uh, just talking about doing the right thing. I actually have a sign in my office that was given to me by uh, an old friend that says, you will never regret doing the right thing. And um, I think this story shows that when we're not doing the right thing, we can end up in a lot of bad situations. And so for me, I think the message is you will never regret doing the right thing. Now focusing in on the verse that says that everybody did what they saw fit and what becomes very, very obvious is if everybody is just their own moral compass, if everybody as individuals just gets to decide what's right, what's wrong, who are you to tell me, even even the conversation they have where Micah is chasing them down because they stole all their all his stuff. And he's like, what's the matter with you? And they're like, what's the matter with you? Why are you asking me what's the matter with you? How could you even ask me what's the matter with you? Right? Doesn't this sound like our culture today? Like everybody's yelling at each other. And it's yeah. like, who are you to even ask me what's the matter with you? It's like if... If we are our own internal compass, if we are the ones that decide what's right and wrong, if we are, if truth lives inside of us and it's not something outside of us that we uh, discover, then it's just a mess. It's just a societal mess. And, that, and that's what I see here. Everyone's doing what they saw fit and it's just disaster. Yeah, I, I love uh, the comic Calvin and Hobbes. So I've, you know, got all the Calvin and Hobbes at home and my kids read them and we, we love them. Uh, and one of my favorite things about it is, uh, the game Calvin ball. And the way Calvin ball works is Calvin and Hobbes, they go out to play cause they don't, they don't like organized sports. So they make a disorganized sport. And so they, you know, he's like, I, I can't follow all the rules of baseball. So they make a game where they make up the rules as they go along. And at first it's really, really fun because they, you can do anything, you know, you, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm carrying the ball this way and I do this and well, you, you just kind of declare, this is how it works. But inevitably the thing that happens when they're playing Calvin ball, Calvin ball is they get in a fight because at some point Calvin says, I'm doing this. And Hobbes says, I'm doing that. And they end up, you know, killing each other. So, um, that's, that's what our society is, is like in a lot of ways. Uh, that was really good. Um, so my message is, uh, is, is along the same lines, but here's how I put it. I said, you need a king that isn't you. Like you, you, you need, you need like, there's no king in Israel. They need a king and they can't be a king for themselves. They, they can't rule their own lives. Um, it's, it's not a, an oppressive thing <laughs> to have a, a good king. It's actually a freeing thing. It sets you free from all of this mess that we make for ourselves uh, when, when we don't have the right leader. Yeah, so I just realized that I never really said a message. I said a lot of things <laughs> that, that should have led into a message, but I never said a message. So Clayton's message is the perfect message for all of my ramblings. All right, let's go to meditation. Uh, this is prayerful thinking about the passage here. And here's the, here's the prompt I have for you. Uh, it's to be a little bit self-reflective and ask the question, uh, where are you doing what is right in your own eyes? Where, where are you doing things the way you see fit? And maybe that's not the way that, that God would want you to do it. So ask that question, pray through it for 45 seconds.
All right, let's go to A, application. How are you guys going to put this into practice? Um, I had here uh, to be consistently asking myself, uh, what is the right thing to do in this situation? And I think the right thing to do is ask the question, what would God have me do in this situation? Um, and, and so it's just being co- like conscious of asking, stopping and asking ourselves that question. She just snuck in a WWJD she reference without she saying did. it directly. I did. Way to go. I wonder if we went back and counted all of the times that Nikki refers to. Actually, we need to get WWJD sneak, sneak uh, attacks, a WWJD right? reference. I wonder how many we would, we'd be at. Caitlin, can you can you do that research project? <laughs> are you are you incredibly bored? <laughs> Have no work to do that you could just listen to podcast episodes. Uh, wow, this is such a broad topic that it it's is. this right. is one of those where it's it's hard to drill it down into an application. So, by the way, if if you're listening to this podcast and you use the comma method in your own personal Bible study, sometimes this happens, right? Where you're you're sitting at home and you're like, I got to sit there for a minute and think. All right, so so what? What what is my so what? So here here's my here's my so what for today. My so what is to walk into Nikki's office more often and look at the sign on her wall. <laughs> uh, no, uh, gen- generally speaking, to just remind myself there is a God, and it's not me. I I do not define truth. I do not define what is right and wrong. And the more I can remind myself of that, probably the better off I'll be. Yeah, I think I think there's uh, yeah similar idea of uh, even even beginning each day at, like as I'm praying, um, you know, a lot of times I you know it's natural, it's good, it's right to be asking what you would like God to do that day. You know, help me with this. I need you know provision for that and that sort of thing. Um, but we don't come to God so that He can do things for us. We come to God because He's our King and we bow before Him. So taking a posture even early in the day of saying, what is it you would have me do? What, what, what do you want me uh, to, to do today? Uh, and some of that also goes, and I know this sounds generic, I'm talking about praying and reading your Bible, but like actually reading scripture, like the way we know what the king wants us to do is by reading his word and, and putting that into practice. So the, the habit of doing comma actually is part of the application of saying, I'm not the king, somebody else is. And it comes back to Bible reading. All right, friends, that's all that we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Merry Christmas, Eric! <laughs>